everybody and welcome to WTS 159. My name is Danny Murray. I'm Graham Merrow Merrigan. Alright, how are you G? Good, I always change that, don't I? I always say Graham Merrigan or I always say Graham Merrow Merrigan. I always say Graham Merrow Merrigan, Manion Merrigan. Yeah. I'm just Graham. Just Graham. You Thank are not, you. You are not just anything, you are so much more than just. Don't ever put that yourself <laughs> again. Yeah, well, you've started to really kill me on Insta stories, haven't you? Uh, well, I just had a little look there. A couple more questions that have come in, um, so uh, that <laughs> that'll be answered. Um, <laughs> has there really? Yeah, there has. Yeah, a couple more questions have came in. People are very uh, interested. Very interested. Uh, hilarious. So, people, as people are listening to this, this happened during the week, lads. If you're not already, <laughs> if you're not already on the Instagram balls and you want to get in on it. We may do this again sometime where I answer questions about Grey American's life. <laughs> so, uh, um, yeah. We got a off uh, Warren down in Men's Airco today, so I feel fresh. Was, yeah, I was down with him there. Was it last week, maybe two weeks ago? I can't remember. A couple of weeks. Well, yeah, within the, within the last 10 to 14 days, I was down yeah. with him. Um, the, uh, the man who was taking over the art Jason. of Jason Brophy's haircutting. Um, while Brophy is off living a life that I am extremely jealous of from what I've seen on social media. Yeah. I know, he's a little better. The absolute shy bag. I hope he, he yeah. dips in and out of this podcast and he hears this specific 30-second bit where we've just said we miss him, but also he's an awful prick for going away like that. Yeah, all the swimming pool and all and the weight room. Go away from me, Jay, you tick. Exactly, yeah. But Waz is a very, very... Go down, go down to the men's haircut for a good haircut, though. Exactly. I was going to say, Waz and the lads are running a good shop down there in the absence of Jay. So uh, don't... If you, if, you, if you were going there for a couple of years and, you know, uh, because Jay's gone, you think it's shut up shop. It has not. Life goes on, as they say, and the lads are doing a good job. So, yeah. Um... Yeah, this is WTS159, and uh, thanks to everybody who listened to 158 with, or sorry, 157, I should say, PC Carroll. Um, last week, we, we had an episode where you and I just talked, but we didn't really uh, address the fact that a lot of people reached out and said how much they enjoyed PC. Um, so if you did, lads, you'll be delighted to know that he's launched his own podcast. That's yeah, right. It's called Eurobash. MMA legend Neil Siri features alongside him, um, and you can check it out on SoundCloud. So... Friend of the show. Noel McGrath as well, isn't it? Noel McGrath. Oh, Jesus. How, how could I forget Noel, yeah? Um, so, yeah. And it's all for MMAfighting.com, of course. The best MMA website out there. So, yeah. If you like PT, if you like Noel, if you like Neil, then, uh, you know, go for it, lads. Have a little listen. Friend of the show, PT Carroll. An absolute gent. Who do we have this week, Dan? Mero, this week we have Vivian Rath. Now... We were supposed to have Viv <laughs> a number of weeks ago, but my laptop shit itself. Absolutely <laughs> shit the bed. And uh, as as we talked about a little bit last week, there was multiple hours spent trying to salvage a recording with Viv. Ultimately, I failed. So Viv was kind enough to give us a second hour of his time to try and uh, recreate the magic, shall we say. So... But it was a good chat either way. Mark Barry. Mark Barry gets a nice little shout out in there. He does. Mark's a legend. He is. He's an absolute gent. He, he's an unsung hero. He's an unsung hero for many, many reasons. Most notable of which is that he has to keep your ego in check on Valley Black Bulls. <laughs> Mark is an unsung hero in his job as well, by the he, way. He absolutely, I don't yeah. doubt it. He absolutely is. He seems to do Trojan work and uh, he, he's an absolute gent. He's done Trojan He's done Trojan work for the sport of wheelchair basketball. He has uh, over the last over the last ten years. If there wasn't, if it wasn't for him, there'd be still two teams, um, going over to or one team going over to England every week to play in the English leagues. Yeah. You don't want that. You want to develop your own league on your own island. Absolutely, absolutely, and and a, it's a great little league too. You know, I've been fortunate enough to go to a few of the matches and uh, to see Ballybrack Bulls in action. And uh, in fairness, any time I have gone, Mark's gone out of his way to pop over and say hello to me absolute gent that he yeah. is so um yeah just so people know mark is the coach of valley bulls and he's also a sports development officer for disability sports in ireland for the irish wheelchair association and he's a legend he is indeed he is indeed and on to the legend that is vivrat our guest this week take it away Meryl. 
Okay, now joining us is PhD candidate from Trinity College, researching the social experiences of students with disabilities in higher education and disability rights advocate Vivian Rath. How are you, Vivian? I'm not too bad at all. Thank you. And thanks very much, uh, guys, for having me on the show this evening. Lovely to talk to you. Yeah, thanks, man, for joining us, Viv. Uh, and uh, thanks, man, for uh, agreeing to do it a second time due to te- <laughs> technical difficulties. Uh, we're, we're not high tide now in terms of uh, the college year, Viv. People are, mm. CAO offers and all that are, are all flowing and everybody's getting excited or nervous about coming up to the big smoke, perhaps, to, to live on campus in some cases. And other people are just getting ready to venture into a world that they've no idea um, what's in store for them. A man of your knowledge and experience, though, could perhaps share some of that knowledge and experience. <laughs> well, thank thank you very much, Danny. Uh, you're very good. <laughs> well, look, I mean, m- most of my experience uh, is from my own personal experience uh, as a student in, in college. And I, this time of year brings me back to the days when I began uh, college in UCD, uh, starting pharmacology. Uh, and I remember it so well, you know, because it's such a time of mixed emotions you're so nervous uh, about starting off wondering what's going to happen what are you going to be doing are you going to enjoy your course uh, i was starting pharmacology uh, and then on the other side uh, you're excited uh, you're looking forward to going out on all those nights out meeting all the new people uh, and you know it's really a, ch- a new chapter um, now so really i think uh, that what i think what's most important uh, for everybody uh, starting uh, is that they make sure to avail of the many support services that are out there and uh, that uh, it's also what I'd say as a personally as a student with a disability uh, for me what made the difference was that I linked in with the disability support services and availed of the many supports and uh, as a researcher in the area now I'd say uh, to students with disabilities that they should do the same uh, because there are a huge range of supports available to you in terms of uh, there's note takers, uh, transport, uh, there are IT solutions. And that extra little bit of help uh, can really take the weight off you and allow you the opportunity to get involved in everything else that college has to offer. And you guys know just as well as I do, uh, the college has a lot to offer uh, and that uh, we we know as well that like there are more students with disabilities uh, attending college than ever before and succeeding. Uh, I had a disability uh, that uh, I had uh, a very significant uh, physical disability. Uh, and so college was very difficult at the start. But and did you find it easy to, to sorry for coming across with, did you find it um, did, when you were in college and you were uh, starting off your journey in college did you find it easy to find reach out to these groups or research or do you know that was it easy for you when you were in college or is it going to be easier now because people like you are trying to make it easier for people <laughs> well I, I i think uh there are more supports available now than there was when i started college uh that uh, and also colleges have become so much more access- accessible um, of course everybody is different and they will find their own challenges uh with starting colleges so uh that i very important to accept that, uh that it's not to be too hard on yourself uh, and to remember uh that by reaching out to the disability support services or your access office or your student advisor uh that you can really just enjoy college more and like there are so many clubs and societies available uh, and i would say to to people as well that if they were planning on getting involved in college life you know that i'd, I'd have a couple of tips for them um, and i think number one is get involved uh, because you'll make great friends uh, and you feel part of the college community uh, and it, you know in the in the long run it'll also be good for your future career so as well as being great fun it'll be great for your future career and um, number two is talk to everyone uh, so i mean that might sound, sound ridiculous but you know when you're sitting in your first lecture uh reach out to the person to your left or to your right and just say hi uh, and it's amazing because some of the people that i met at and in my first days in college are people that i still hang out with now uh, and i think a lot of people find that Lovely. 
Yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty cool. Uh, t- tip number three is try something new. College is about loads, there'll be loads of different experiences in college and uh, that clubs and societies, just give them all a try because you, you won't you won't know until you try one. Um, number, number four, I'd say one of the most important things, when you go to college, you need to be able to advocate for yourself. So you need to be able to speak up for yourself and speak up for your rights because uh, at that, especially in the first couple of weeks, you're on your, you are on your own to an extent. And if you need some supports, you need to ask for them because people are not going to know that. So I think that's very, very important. So if you have questions about adaptations uh, or anything like that, you just need to ask. And I think number five, my final tip, get the balance right. Uh, and that's probably one of the hardest things. But uh, it's important that you learn to balance your social involvement uh, and your academic requirements because repeating the exams is never fun. Uh, I think, you know, and that's a really important thing. But uh, Danny knows all about that, don't you, Danny? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, look, I mean, I think some the most some of the most interesting things for me was that I live. I was very lucky. I got to live on campus uh, in Belgrove UCD uh, oh, when, when I was. In, yes, there you go. And uh, we we all lived in Belgrove UCD. And that uh, the thing was that I l- lived with uh, a guy by the name of Tomas Langan, and Tom Tomas was blind, and Tomas was the first blind person I'd ever met. Uh, and I met other people with disabilities, and it wasn't very long. Uh, firstly, it opened my mind completely uh, that uh, suddenly I felt, OK, well, I can do anything now as well. Uh, and I learned to raise my own expectations and push my own barriers. Um, but also what was great was that there was a great sense of purpose among us uh, uh, that we went on and established the uh, first UCD wheelchair basketball team. Uh, because, oh, brilliant. Yeah, because, you know, we wanted to represent the college just the same as everybody else. We wanted to be able to play sports and get involved. And uh, that uh, I actually... How approached... did you go about doing that, Vivian? Well, this is it. Actually, what I did was I contacted uh, Mark Barry in the IWA. Uh, legend. And, yes, an absolute legend. Uh, and I went to Mark and I said, look, Mark, I have uh, a group of people here who have no experience. Uh, we have no wheelchairs. Uh, and that uh, the hall wasn't uh, accessible, but they were a really enthusiastic group, uh, and uh, and we wanted to play and represent the college. Uh, kind of, to be honest with you, you know, it was a bit like a Mighty Ducks film. And <laughs> Mark, Mark, you know, what did Mark he, say? He's so open-minded about it all. He's like, "All right, Viv, mate, uh, sounds like a plan." And from that, uh, we we got together, and it was really fantastic because. We set up the basketball team and it was a team, you know, of uh, able-bodied and uh, people with disabilities playing together on a level playing pitch. Um, and I was playing alongside... Was that alongside the first time you met Mark, Vivian? Uh, possibly. No, actually. No, I actually met Mark first, Mark Barry first, in, I think it was uh, Watford Institute of Technology about two years before I went to college when I was going around uh, looking at different colleges to decide which one. And uh, I think I just met him on the campus, uh, and I, I, I didn't, uh, I didn't put two and two together at that time. But yeah, I, I yeah. met him long, long before that, so uh, it's quite, quite funny. But um, do you know what? Do you know what was so important though about the the basketball? Um, that you know you were playing alongside your friends. I was playing some by my brother, um, and if you missed that shot. It wasn't because you were you were disabled. It was because you hadn't trained enough. It mattered if you missed yeah. training. Yeah. It mattered if, if you didn't turn up for the game. You were part of the team. And you know, I what was I the best person on the team? Hell no, I wasn't. Uh, but I had the opportunity to be, and I think that's what was really important. Uh, and that you know, I really felt like I, I belonged. Uh, doing that and it was great you know I worked together with other great people in the college students as well like Colin McAdam, Joe Fields, my brother Paddy, uh, other student union members and it was just such fun uh, and yeah. I think we, we, we've we spoken about it before uh, Graham about sport and sport has yeah. the power 
to break down barriers. Uh, it encourages inclusion and diversity, and most importantly, it develops a connection between people. Yeah, and, you yeah, know, th- you know when you, you know when you were saying, Viv, um, you lived on campus. Yes, and. You're saying that sport, you know, has the ability to break down barriers. And by barriers, I suppose we mean, well, do we mean public perception, is it? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, public yeah. Per- so, perception, so, social barriers, yeah, so, cultural barriers. So when, when with the social barriers, when you're in uh, college and you're living on campus and you're joining these societies and you're starting up a, a wheelchair basketball club and stuff like that, was there was there challenges socially um, outside of college campus Absolutely, uh, yeah. Because if you're all going out together, like, absolutely, and and, and you're you're absolutely right. And these are the challenges that are facing people uh, on a daily basis, and that people are campaigning about regularly and, and talking about. So I mean, for instance, accessing uh, back, you know, accessing pubs, clubs, theatres, uh, and public transport. Public transport is a significant issue, and I mean, let's let's just think about it. We don't have to go back to my college days. Let's just go back to last week uh, when the Pope was visiting Phoenix Park and they wouldn't allow mobility scooters uh, to attend the, the, the papal event. Uh, and that's just an example uh, of what, what could be described as blatant discrimination. I'm a mobility scooter user. I would have liked to have had the opportunity to go to that event, but I had no choice now because I couldn't go because I couldn't bring my mobility scooter. And there were many people who were like that who would just like have had to have had the choice to go. Yeah, but looking back, there was plenty of room for the mobility scooters. There certainly was, yeah. So I dig there, but, 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 but I think, you know, it's not even about that, though, uh, Graham. It's, it's about the thought that, hey, we're just going to leave off one part of society. We're just Absolutely. not going to include them. And that we that we that we do that without any thought, but uh, I think, and and it's just it was just accepted, I, I, uh, and I think that's the problem. I'd agree with you, Viv, and I think when you when you look at the the wider picture as well, and I suppose like, you know, not not that I was overly uh, in enamoured by the by the event itself or, or what was was all that interested in it, but I suppose it it is something that a huge section of Irish society was interested in, and as you said, one group within that society has effectively been told nope sorry you can't be part of this day and then if you look around ireland i mean even buildings like the national museum you know what i mean mm-hmm. like yeah there, there's so many buildings around this country that you know either guys who are in wheelchairs or guys who are in mobility scooters or whatever they can get into part of the building or they can't get into the building at all and then they're fed this yeah. line about it being a protected building I was about that line when I went to go to a Christy Brown exhibition. Christy <laughs> Brown. Yeah. His work was being exhibited at the Little Museum of Ireland. And I seen it in the ticket, um, the Irish Times supplement. And I'm a big fan of Christy Brown's work. And I said to myself, oh, geez, I'd love to go to that. What do I need? I don't, surely I don't need to plan ahead. It's Christy Brown. But I rang them up anyway and I said, hey, how's it going? Just making sure a wheelchair accessible for the Christy Brown exhibition. Oh, I'm so sorry, but we're not because it's a protected building. But it's Christy Brown, though. Yeah, it's a protected building. <laughs> I'm, sure, I'm sure Christy Brown wouldn't have been too impressed. Uh, no. that, but I, I think it's disappointing that we are still having to campaign and uh, fight uh, to just have access to our own public buildings. Yeah. Uh, and that's really disappointing. And it's also hugely, uh, has a huge effect on people with disabilities, uh, social activities. Uh, and we do know that 13% of the population have a, have a disability. We know that. And there is a real noticeable uh, lack of uh, access to uh, these social uh, places. For instance, okay, it's just simple things. If, as a young person, I wanted to go out on a date, uh, if I was going out on a date tomorrow, I would first have to check uh, that the restaurant that I was going to uh, ha- was accessible, that, that, that there was no steps. Then I would have to go and check that there was a wheelchair accessible toilet. Then I, I would nearly have to get somebody to go and check that that wasn't a, a store cupboard or a, a broom closet. Uh, and that then on top of that, then I'd have to go and check 
if it was possible to get a bus there or not. Uh, so your whole evening, you can't do anything on the spur of the moment. Uh, so yeah. it, it really makes life quite difficult for a huge amount of people uh, across the country. So I, I think, and it's very frustrating that we are focused and we have to be focused on campaigning for these issues when really at this point we should be campaigning for them and promoting the employment of people with disabilities That's and, and promoting the uh, imp- uh, access to a higher education uh, and housing. Uh, I mean, housing is a significant issue uh, and yeah. that uh, there there is very little planning or strategy there for housing for people with disabilities and it, only recently there was some research released uh it was last week and it found that some people with disabilities are having to wait up to 50 have waited up to 15 years to get a, a house that meets their their housing needs but uh, as well so, as that you were, you were you were talking about um dating there um mm. like it's i was on a few there this summer site and about they're always saying, oh, where do you want to go? And, they're, you know, they're saying, where do you want to go? Because they don't know where has wheelchair toilets or where is wheelchair accessible. They would never have mm. thought of it before. Mm. And it's it's absolutely, a, this whole wheelchair toilet situation in pubs and restaurants, it's a pain in the hole. How they can't just get a toilet right is beyond me. How they can't just add a, a, a disability toilet in anywhere is beyond mm. me. Yeah, well, I, I think as well, Graham, that, uh, again, there are a couple of things here, I think. N- number one is that we have planning regulations. I really can't understand why they are not being enforced. It's the same as we have parking regulations around disabled parking, and they're only starting to be enforced now through Operation Enable. Uh, and yeah. I, I really feel that's number one. Why aren't these regulations, which have been put in there for the good of for the citizens, uh, are being enforced? And that's really, really disappointing. I think the second thing is that there, uh, there is a culture there uh, where people with disabilities weren't uh, uh, seen to be out in society uh, and, and involved. And I think that's changing because there are more people like you uh, and like me uh, out and about and participating in all regular life activities, which we should yeah. be doing. We're living, we're en- enjoying ourselves. And as a result of that, it, there there will be a change eventually, but it's going to take a quite a significant cultural shift for that to happen. I think one of the third things, which is- We're nowhere near it though, Viv. No, but I think we are moving in that direction. Right. I think we are moving in that direction. I'd like to think so. As a disability rights activist, I'd like to think we are uh, and hope we are uh, and live in hope for that. I think the, the other thing, you know what, which I think is really important as well, uh, that I think that the businesses uh, across the country need to realise the importance uh, and the uh, the business opportunity, if you like, uh, of people with disabilities as well who have money to spend who want to get involved who want to engage in different activities and they should be looking after those customers just the same as the way they do all their other customers and not be discriminatory towards them so i think that's as well so there there are a few things there to to consider uh, around that and that there is a, a business opportunity there as well and, they, and I'm, they use the attitude though asher we won't get we don't we won't get many wheelchair users in today we won't we won't we don't get many mobility scooter users in today that's that's what like mm. it's not often like i the the manager of the duke pub he was a lovely lovely man and um, he he would be one of these businessmen that would love to get involved in some sort of initiative like this in fact he's trying to uh he's trying to upgrade his uh facilities in the pub and to put a lift in he's doing the upstairs function room and he has they have a wheelchair toilet and all and then he put it in the plans to the council and the council were rejected his plans because it's a it's a publicly listed building and the lift can't go where the architect said it, it should go yeah that's it's really now, very dis- it's just very, stumbling block after stumbling block like yeah and I, but but and i then, think and we, then and then you look at uh irish rail as well with their 24 hours you have to give notice before travel mm-hmm. like that's nonsense mm-hmm. 
Yeah, uh, well, I mean, as you know, I've been campaigning for a long time over that, and there's other great people, Sean O'Kelly, James uh, Cawley as well, have all been canvassing actively on that, Susie Byrne, uh, and, and really it's it's very frustrating that we haven't seen uh, faster changes on that. But I think it is very welcome to see that the Minister for Transport uh, has uh, brought the, ex- the lived experience of disability onto his boards, and he has some very good people brought onto those boards. Yeah. Very vocal, Susie Byrne, uh, Elaine Howley, just to name two, who will be very vocal, and I think that is great. But just on that, I think one campaign that I've been working on, or an issue I've been campaigning on, locally here in, in Wexford is around um, tourism for all, uh, which is, uh, yeah, which which is just to encourage that uh, businesses and our local county down here to be more uh, mindful uh, of uh, the accessible tourism and the needs of all of their, their customers. And, and down here in Wexford, we have uh, the wheelchair uh, beach wheelchairs, uh, which have been a great introduction and also an increase in the number of changing places uh, facilities in, in uh, some of our tourist destinations. And I think, you know, that that is that, that's an important initiative that we need to be pu- pushing as well. Uh, because I, it's ridiculous that you when you want to go on holidays, you can't be sure again, is the hotel going to be accessible? Is the room going to be accessible? Uh, and but businesses what, what is most important, Green uh, and Danny, is that in Scotland, where they introduced tourism for all, they found that it resulted in a 20% increase in their overall revenue from tourism because people with disabilities, when they travel, usually stay longer and they usually bring more people with them. So it actually re- results in a bump uh, in profits and and. Uh, for the whole economy, which is actually great. And then the knock-on effect is that you have an accessible environment for your whole community and all your citizens in the area. Yeah, I, like well, one, one of the things that often baffles me is that now I've I've had both the, um, you know, from just having to put up with them, the misfortune of having to travel with Merrow a good bit. Um, <laughs> but, like, when we, we've gone to America and rarely if ever has there been a, a case where we've had to kind of or at least that i remember Marilyn, you might correct me if i'm wrong but where we have to kind of go oh shit is this is, like is the wheelchair going to be all right around here like what what's the story here like it just seems like yeah. it's 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 second nature over there it just happens there's no question it's second nature it. over there but the attitude is different they don't really talk to the wheelchair user they'll talk to uh, whoever the wheelchair users with yeah, that's a fair point, actually. I remember that happening a couple of times, yeah, where it's almost as if they, they just bypass you. And he talked. But um, the, the the tourism for all notion, like, I, I don't know, and I'm, I suppose I, I'm approaching this from a point of almost ignorance in the sense of, like, I, I don't live with a disability myself, but, I mean, even, Viv, you mentioned there the, the beach wheelchair, and I know mm. up, up in, in Dublin and around Ballybrack, uh, Councillor Dave O'Keefe had to campaign to have one of them put in in beaches yeah. on the borough and in my head i'm like what why was there a campaign involved why wasn't it just lads can we yeah. stick it on the beach so there's access for all on the beach yeah done like it, it yeah. just it baffles me that there's people who are in these elected positions who 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 object to such a thing and like the the, 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 the example you gave Mero of the council uh rejecting the lift in the duke like yeah it just it completely cuts off a, a portion of society, and then, as you pointed out, that portion of society tends to result in a little bump for the economy because they bring more people, they stay longer, etc., etc. It's just I I can't understand it, and I don't know if that's because uh, like I'm kind of outside the bubble, so to speak, or if it's just I'm trying to oversimplify this by saying surely it should just be a tick the box and say yeah and get on with it, like. Well, that that's what you would feel. But I, I think as well, one thing um, and we've discussed before, guys, is around disability activism. Uh, and I think uh, that that's why disability activists and people with disabilities uh, need to know their rights. Uh, and it's really important that they know their rights around this subject. Uh, that that uh, And I have been working to uh, to to improve, well, to encourage people uh, to to be more aware and to learn to advocate on their own behalf, um, and for me, 
uh, as a disability activist. One of the, the most important things was to have the support of my family, my friends and my community uh, when I was uh, campaigning on different uh, access issues. So, for instance, I was involved in campaigning to have my Gori local Garda station uh, made accessible. There was no access to it. Uh, and uh, unfortunately, I was forced to uh, sit outside uh, on the street on my own uh, on my mobility scooter uh, to because because simply because I couldn't get in to have a farm signed uh, and I was uh, invited to have that farm signed on the side of the road uh, so that uh, I, I was out there campaigning for that but I was really lucky uh, because I had the support of my family and my friends and my community uh, and that's what made made the difference for me um, and you know that that was one of the reasons I organized that the seminar I, I remember it was I think we were talking yeah. about, yeah, Graham, uh, that's a, the Disability Political Representation and Activism Seminar in, in Trinity. Uh, yeah. And it, it like it was incredibly well attended and there was huge interest in it um, and got a bit of coverage from the Irish Times. But like what, what was really important was that it brought together disability activists, political leaders and uh, to discuss the participation of people with disabilities uh, in public and political life in Ireland. And, you know, what it did was it initiated the discussion on the barriers to the representation of people with disabilities in all aspects of active citizenship in Irish society and um, their rights, direct the accessibility and activism. And, you know, what concerns me is that, again, despite the fact that we know that there's 13 percent of the population have been identified as a disability, there is a notable absence of people with disabilities in decision making positions within Irish society and time, yeah. also in the doll. How many people now I know I accept there are people in there may be people in the doll with uh, hidden disabilities, but uh, there are very, very few who have identified as having a disability or, or not that I know of. And um, there are no one uh, uh, obvious physical disabilities there. And um, so it, that really concerns me. And yet we have 13% of the population have a disability. So why and who is bringing, why are the experiences of dis people with disabilities not being made, are be making it to the decision-making table? And if they're not, who who's doing it? Who's, who's doing, doing it? As well, and as well as that, um, Vivian, I think the mainstream media have a responsibility. If you look across the water with Channel 4, um, Channel 4 are doing a wonderful job ever since they got the rights to the Paralympic Games in London in 2012. They've just gone from strength to strength. They have people with disabilities hosting their kind of factual shows in the evening and they have yeah. um, they, they have presenters on on a, on a Saturday or Sunday morning. You know, they have that that show, The, the, le the Last Leg, is it? That was a spin-off show from the Paralympic Games in 2012, but like six years later, it's still going. So, I mean, I think RTE, perhaps, or TV3 are now Virgin 1, I suppose. I think they have a responsibility as well, because are you telling me there's no wheelchair users doing media or journalism or anything like that? Do you know what I mean? Absolutely right. Absolutely right. And I think there is really, I mean, we recently had the UNCRPD ratified. Um, well, well, it's been ratified, yeah. but unfortunately, there was a significant part uh, left out. And the UNCRPD is the United Nations Convention on the Rights of People with Disabilities. And I and you and many, many other people with disabilities have been campaigning to bring this in because it uh, puts a, a, United, a world or United Nations spotlight on Ireland every couple of years uh, in the process of monitoring it. But as you have just highlighted there, one significant piece was left out, uh, and that was the optional protocol, uh, which was a reporting port protocol. And that was left out, and that allowed people with disabilities and everybody, members of society, those with and without disabilities, an opportunity to report uh, examples uh, of breaches of the UNCRPD. So, so it's as far as I'm concerned, it stays the same. We can highlight issues, but we're not allowed to complain about them. That's exactly right. What it did was it left it, it toothless, uh, and and so uh, that and was. We remind that was people that North, North Korea have ratified this. 
that's correct. Yeah, that's correct. Uh, but uh, look, I mean, it's we have a long way to go, and I think it is uh, very important that uh, we, you and I, and uh, people with uh, other people with disabilities are out, and everybody else, everybody else as well, because what's really important to remember is that it's very likely that at some point in your life that you will uh, end up with some kind of an impairment. Uh, the older yeah. you get, uh, the more likely you are to have an impairment. And as we well know, we have an, a- an aging population in this country. So there are more, there's going to be increase in the number of people with impairments in our country. So we need to be prepared for, for this and to start building strategies around that to support people uh, into the future. And unfortunately, we're not doing that. Can uh, Vivian, I can you? I just ask? Uh, sorry, go Sorry, Mary. Yeah, just uh, I just I I'll, I'll jump in just real quick because based on what you've said there about the, you know, they've made they they've supposedly ratified, um, the the UN charter thing, but they've left it toothless. And I so like, is there an element or I I don't know if you just want to answer this or not. But I mean, as as um, you know, a wheelchair user and a mobility scooter user. Viv, do, do you guys feel as though sometimes things are in this country almost like a token, just tokenism and, you know, a bit of patronising going on towards the disabled community? Occasionally, yeah, certainly. Uh, that You would certainly feel like that. Uh, and there, there are certainly times when uh, you, you see examples of that occurring and it's it's very, very frustrating, uh, especially when agreements are made to that such and such will be done and then it doesn't happen. Uh, but look, I mean, I think with more, pe- with more people with disabilities engaging in employment, engaging in uh, college uh, and society generally, uh, I think there will be uh, more change and, and I, I think the key aspect here is that we need people with disabilities at the decision making table uh, bringing forward their lived experiences and that's again coming back to what I, what I mean some of my research I'm researching the social experiences of students with disabilities in higher education uh, and you know there's a huge focus in college and uh, college research on the academic structures and the college environment and all of that, but a lesser focus on the social aspect. Um, and I, I think it's it's hugely important because if people with disabilities are able to engage in the social fabric of their community, uh, then they're able to contribute. They're able to make connections. Uh, they'll feel part of the community. They'll feel like they belong. And the more people, and we know this from research, the more people that know of a person with a disability, uh, the, the greater the knowledge, the less of uh, the outdated perceptions, less discrimination. Uh, and uh, uh, it's it, the whole, everybody wins. It's a win-win for everybody. So, I mean, that's why, uh, I mean, that's one of the reasons I'm so excited about doing my own research uh, on this social experiences. Um, and, you know, there's very, we, like, we, we don't know very much about the social experiences of people with disabilities simply because uh, they haven't been able to be involved. Uh, so I'm looking forward to hearing the story of people with disabilities. And that's what I'm going to be doing for the next year, actually, is going out, uh, interviewing people, hearing their story, listening to their voice uh, and getting the voice. And through my research, getting the voice of people with disabilities across to the colleges as well, which is very important, you know. Do you feel like you have any rights? I certainly feel like I have rights. Do I feel those rights are, are being implemented all the time? No. Do I feel like I have access uh, to all of those rights all the time? No. But yes, I have rights. And I think that's a really important uh, point, Graham, because uh, I think all people would, uh, need to remember that, that they have rights. Uh, and I'm uh, working tirelessly often sometimes uh, to try and promote those rights and to promote an awareness of those rights to to people with disabilities. And I'd love to see more young people um, being made aware of their rights earlier on in school. 
uh, and learning to speak up for themselves and to remember that your voice matters. Everybody's voice matters. Uh, and I, I was recently reading a fantastic little article, our little blog post by Sarah Fitzgerald uh, on being an advocate, uh, or an activist, an activist mm. or an advocate. Um, and I think you can both of, the, both of them are really important uh, to, to try and to get things done. Uh, but a key part of that is knowing your rights uh, and having knowledge about it. Um, and I, 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 I firmly believe that. And for me, social media has been fantastic uh, in allowing activists uh, from across the world to connect with each other. Uh, and I have found that, you know, by connecting with other activists and advocates through uh, Twitter, Facebook, uh, etc., I have found that this shared, real shared sense of purpose uh, and has given me great strength. And, you know, I often feel like a sense of community. I mean, you and I, Graham, uh, have probably interacted much more through Twitter uh, before we hardly knew each other. Uh, That's so, right, yeah. Uh, because, again, we had that shared purpose and we we actually felt part of a community. Um, but, again, back to the rights thing, I think it's important that activists and advocates continue to update themselves uh, and like I have learned a lot from following others including yourself um, Louise Bruton uh, yeah. Sinead Burke Susie Byrne um, but then in the US like I was following and Andrew Pullrang and Alice Wong who who coordinated the Crypt Vote campaign uh, and a name that, uh, that we probably wouldn't use here in Ireland uh, Crypt yeah. Vote um, but uh, it's something that I learned about there. And then, of course, in, in the UK, you have Francis Ryan, who's doing a lot of, a lot of works. But um, do you know, actually, a, a couple of books that listeners might be interested in uh, are Jenny Morris's Pride Against Prejudice was a book I read many, many years ago, um, or The Politics of Disability, um, like around that, Dan Goodley's Disability Studies. Uh, and that, that's very good as well. And uh, it really gets the reader to think about what it is to be disabled and what it means to be human and, and or some heavy stuff. But to be honest, uh, when it all boils down, I get I prefer to get most of my information now uh, from blogs and Twitter and websites as I find these really, you know, they really provide the lived experiences. Uh, of yeah. people um, so I, I think, yeah, yeah. Uh, again, I think, yeah, I have rights, you have rights, but it's really important to be uh, aware of those. Uh, you were saying there about they had a, a crypt to vote. What, what, is there any is there any words you don't like to be referred to as? I don't like labels at all. Like, I'm just I'm just me, you know that way. So even <laughs> even this disabled is is kind of I relate to that somewhat, but it's still a label, isn't it? Um, like <laughs> being in the in, in disability sports circles, you know, some some people would be some people would, um, what's the word? Kind of slang you as crips or other words and cap cappers or whatever. I, I don't like any of them to be honest. Where do you stand on all that? No I, pun intended. I, I'm actually. <laughs> <laughs> that's, those are the, those are the in jokes that we can have, Graham. Danny, you're yeah. out of this one. You're out of this one, Daddy. I'm just muting the microphone, lads. <laughs> uh, I'm I'm with you on that, Graham. Uh, that uh, I'm I'm just Viv, uh, and I've always been just Viv, and that I think that is because when I was growing up, I was in a secondary school, and I didn't, I just. Like I barely knew people with disabilities uh, in secondary school. And I, it wasn't really until I went to college that I became more aware of my disability. Uh, yeah. And that because when you're going to college, you have to disclose your disability and you also you're leaving your community. So you become, you know, like in my community, everybody would know me and have known me for life. A lifetime and I'd have loads of support and I often wouldn't have had to ask for these supports uh, but when I went to college then I had to ask for the supports or do without them uh, right. and I became I became much more aware of my disability and um, but I actually remember 
the first time someone referred to me as cripple <laughs> and I was disgusted. I was I found it incredibly hurtful. Uh, and was and it was it was it was it someone with a disability? No. No. Okay. Wasn't actually. And I firstly I had never really heard of the word and I'd never considered myself uh, in that category and uh, I I I I was shocked. Uh, so no, I never used any of those words, and we never those words weren't used at home here. And I I grew up on a farm here in Wexford beside the, the beach, uh, and on the farm everybody had a job. Uh, so I learned how to drive a, a digger uh, at a very young age by packing coats and uh, <laughs> jumpers under me, and then using one leg for the uh, brake and then using a stick for the accelerator. Um, so, you know, there, there you go. Well, when you're in the middle of a 50 acre field, you know, it's not too much you can crash into. Uh, but look, I think the, the, the main point here is that in my household and where I, in the environment I grew up in, uh, that my disability wasn't an issue. Uh, and you were just part of the team and you did your thing. Uh, and especially, do you know what was really important as well? I was involved in my local club here, um, Buffers Alley, very famous club, one of the best clubs in Wexford, actually, and the country, uh, <laughs> hurling in football, a hurling club primarily, and that I was involved in that club as well. Now, I may not have been hurling, but I was on the uh, different quiz teams, uh, scoring an og and uh, I went to Mosney, you know, that, that really made a huge difference. And I think that's one thing I'd say to parents out there uh, who have kids or children with disabilities is to make sure that they're involved in all of the aspects of their community. Uh, because there is, you know, you can play you can play drafts. I was involved in speech and drama. Uh, and so, OK, maybe I wasn't able to play hurling and maybe I wasn't able to play football, but I was able to go to speech and drama. Uh, and I got to know people from my area that way. And I think that is really, really important. Um, and I don't think it can be undervalued. And it has given me great strength uh, and it makes me feel like I'm part of my area. So and I, I'd, say, I'd say that to, to everybody out there. Very good. Yeah, I think that's, um, that's an empowering message, Viv. Big um, yeah. yeah. I... I, I being called kind of disparaging remarks in the playground, I remember a few times, um, you know, I would have just called someone, just said, shut up, you dope, and then next one you hear, shut up, you crip, and I'm like, oh, shit, what the hell is that? And I, it wasn't a very familiar slagging, and I, I soon realised that that slagging was only uh, afforded to me, like, do you know what I mean? Yeah. It was exclusive yeah. to me in the playground, like, do you know what I mean? <laughs> Um, yeah. But I, I had great friends in primary school and secondary school, even now. Like, um, and if they had a, if they had been around uh, such kind of language, they would have dealt with it. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> I do, I do. Well, yeah. I, I look. I mean, again, I was very lucky in that respect. I too had uh, great friends and a great brothers. I had brothers as well, which was always a help. Uh, but uh, I had great friends uh, in school throughout and up and through college which was really important. But again, I think that what was what was like very significant there was that I was brought to everything. You know, I went to the hurling matches. I went to the football matches. I was involved in all those things. I was shouting on yeah. the side. And that was really, really, really important uh, as well. And I, I I think like there was I don't ever remember any of those uh, disparaging remarks in school. Of course, there was the usual thing of you're different and look at him or he walks funny or all of those kind of things. Uh, yeah. But no, I, I, in, in fairness, I was I was very lucky uh, and that I got on very well with people. But I do I do remember I was I used to always play um, soccer at lunchtime. I'm sure you did were involved, too. Uh, and yeah. I would be out on the pitch uh, in the middle of it. And that was fine up until about sixth year when suddenly Lots of the lads around me started to like shoot up and start grow beards and be like 12 stone and whatever. And <laughs> so me, I I took up the role of in the back line because obviously there wasn't much moving around. Uh, and I 
very much remember uh, at one point uh, you standing up, someone was taking a free, being advised to stand out of the way, not, not doing that, and getting the full smack of the ball into the face. Uh, and it, it, I, that ended my playing career. Uh, but um, it, you know, it was just one of the, I, I remember getting back up and despite the fact that my face was burning off me, continuing to play because I wanted to and that was it. But uh, I always made that uh, effort to get involved and I think that was yeah. important too. But I think as well, because it's important as well that looking back, you know, I probably would have, and I think many people with disabilities do this as well, is that they push themselves too far uh, that, you know, uh, just to be part of the gang. Um, but I'm sure people do that all the time, uh, and it's not reserved to people with disabilities. Uh, no, not at all. No, shown off like. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, I guess that's it. Well, I, I was the best goalkeeper in Battery Rack in 1996, and people weren't happy with that. Fib, you know what I mean? <laughs> exactly, exactly. They weren't happy that my wheelchair was getting in the way of their goals. No, I know, I know all about those kind of things. Yeah, but sure. uh, but but look, I'm looking forward now. I'm. Starting a new role now on, um, the, uh, I was appointed to the National Disabilities Stakeholders Group. Uh, Brilliant. Congratulations. Really look, thank you very much. But, uh, but the important thing here is that I'm really looking forward to getting the opportunity uh, to to convey the experiences, my own experiences as a person with a disability, but the experiences of the people around me um, to to the group. And maybe it might result in some change. Uh, but the, the stakeholders group has a key role uh, in monitoring the implementation of the National Disability Inclusion Strategy, uh, which was uh, launched last year. Uh, so I'm really looking forward to working on that. And, you know, it's it's I think I often remember what Martin Luther uh, Jr. Uh, said and Martin Luther King Jr. said, our lives begin to end the day we become silent about the things that matter. Uh, and I think that's really important. To, uh, I you know because there's often a lot of uh, fatigue, uh, campaign fatigue, uh, by activists and advocates out there uh, with disabilities who are feel like you mentioned earlier. You know, do we have rights? Um, who often feel that they're campaigning and there's no changes, but we have to keep keep campaigning that we are making a difference. Uh, that change is taking place, even though slowly. Um, like, for instance, uh, there are more people with disabilities attending college now, higher education, than ever ever before. For instance, there's 7% of the student population now ha of, has a disability, whereas back in 2000, uh, it was less than 1%. Uh, so there is progress being made, uh, even though it is it's it is slow. Aviv, before we let you go, um, would you consider uh, a run on politics? Would you consider <laughs> what's going up the door? Graham, uh, at, the, at, the, at the minute, I have a PhD on the social experiences of students with disabilities to get finished. Uh, and uh, that's it. I, I, I'd like to get make some changes once I get that finished. Uh, so we'll, we'll get that get that done first. Thanks very much. <laughs> Such a politician's answer. <laughs> I was going to say, yeah. Um, well, look, Viv, best of luck with the PhD. Um, okay, and, and I really hope that uh, it, it, it yields some positive results, not not just for yourself, obviously, but, but for uh, the wider society as well. If um, there's anybody listening that would like to kind of get in touch with you about maybe, uh, you know, doing a kind of a sit down with you or whatever to answer some questions um, for mm. the interview parents or if they know somebody who's starting college yeah. and might want to do the same, where can they get in touch with you, Viv? Yeah, look, if they just send me an email at rat or at thv at tcd.ie or you'll also catch me on twitter rat vivian uh, so yeah i'd love to hear from people and uh, and what i'd say to people is uh, is you know get involved in the conversation uh join myself and graham on twitter uh, and have a chat or join a facebook group uh, and uh, get involved and there are some fantastic twitter groups for instance i'm uh um Add to converse with Abel Hour, hashtag Abel Hour, is on every Thursday evening. And it's a great opportunity to find out information uh, about campaigns, about practical things like housing. And so certainly, yeah, uh, 
talk to me and talk to other people. That's really, really important. Brilliant. 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 Um, well, Viv, thanks again for... Let me talk to you again, Viv. Will you come on again for the third time? <laughs> thanks very much, Viv. Third time lucky, I hope. Or maybe not. <laughs> um, yeah, no. Th- th- thanks again, Viv, for, the, for giving us the, the second swing at this. Ho- <laughs> hopefully, I haven't seen anything pop up that's going to frighten me so far, so... Uh, people should be hearing it all the way through to the end but uh, uh, best luck and thanks again Viv. really appreciate it mate thanks no so much Viv no better take it easy guys bye Look, thank you the there you have it that was Viv Rat there uh, an absolute gent as you said he, he's very generous to give us a, a second bite at the cherry there and uh, oh. Manda speaks a lot of sense a lot a lot of sense it's good to listen to as well isn't he very good. Yeah, he articulates his points very well, and I think uh, obviously he has a wealth of experience in what he's, he's dealing with and what he's doing. And obviously, I mean, he's doing a PhD and in, in the whole thing as well. But um, yeah, I, uh, I I really enjoyed that. I really really enjoyed that. Sam, um, he's not like you know, like me, to where I stutter and stutter and stutter. He just knows what he's talking about. Not yeah. that I don't know what I talk about. He just his his articulation is just spot on. Yeah, I think I think sometimes you um like you you, you always <laughs> you always make your point, but I think sometimes in your own head you're trying to formulate your point as you're halfway through it. If that like it's as if it's as if you know what you want to say, but your mouth doesn't. You That's exactly I mean? it. And do you remember? Do you remember we went out for drinks with PJ? Yeah. Uh, Gallagher and he was giving me stick because I couldn't finish the stories and I was telling the punchline. <laughs> I do know that was absolutely brilliant, but uh, yeah, now Viv, he's on the ball. He knows he knows the stuff anyway. And um, if I'd like to get him on really. I think so. I think he's gonna become. We, I, I'm sure, regular listeners will know. I'll try that again. Regular listeners will know that we have a couple of guests that we like to. You know, bring them on maybe once a year, sometimes even more than that, if uh, if they're really, really, really popular and they're, they're really, really nice to us. And uh, yeah, I think Viv will be slotting into that category nicely. Yeah. Right, well, Marrow, I think that's us for now. Um, until next yes, week, of course. <laughs> Lads, don't forget, you can check out all the previous episodes on iTunes, on Stitcher, Podbean, Podcast Republic, Podcast <laughs> Addict, Spotify. Anywhere and ever there's a podcast, Marrow, they just need to search. The Real TS Pod. And thanks so much for everyone for all their support. Absolutely, absolutely. You are listening in your thousands upon thousands from all over the world. Over 111 countries we have had downloads in in the last six months. I couldn't, Unbelievable. I couldn't name more than 50 countries. So I couldn't believe you told me that the other day. I was like, what? It's, it's what has that happened? It's absolutely bananas. So, yeah, a little slice of Ballybrack going out around the world is tremendous. And speaking yeah. of Ballybrack... The music video yeah. to Ballybrack, uh, Welcome to Ballybrack, rather, the title track of Versi's uh, Ballybrack, the album. The music video will be dropping very, very soon, so uh, make sure to just uh, pop on to Versi's social media. And, and Absolutely. That. Myself and Merrow feature. I can't quite, wait to see him. We, we're, we're quite prominent in the video, shall we say, Graham? And I just want to give it a plug to a benefit charity match, if that's okay. Um, it's in... It's an aid of the Lindsay Forsyth's Cardiac Do- Dog Fund. Mm-hmm. It's Shamrock Rovers legend against uh, friends of the Forsyths. Mm-hmm. It's taking place on Sunday, the 28th of October, down at Tech United, Stradbrook. Kickoff is at 2 o'clock, and it's followed by uh, a Q&A with Irish legend Paul McGrath in the Noggin Inn. Uh, 10 euro, and that includes entrance to both the match and the Q&A with Paul McGrath, and there's music and a raffle on the day. So everyone get behind that. That'll be an absolutely brilliant event. And it's a bank holiday weekend, lads, so you don't need to worry about work the next morning. You can enjoy the entire thing and not have to worry about getting up the next day with a sore head. Get out, Lovely. Get out and support it. Get out and enjoy it. Maybe even get a selfie with a legend, the Black Pearl of Inchicore, Paul McGrath. Brilliant. So that's it. That's us. That's us until next week. Merrow, thanks again for your company, bud. It is always a pleasure to hear your dulcet tones through the magic of Skype. Thank you. It's always great to hear you too. Until next time. Clear eyes. Full hearts. Can't lose. Not lose. Too sweet. Good luck.